and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Uh, not the not the game I hoped to see, Bruce, but not an unexpected game, a close game. Two teams that are pretty evenly matched, I think. I think um, it's going to be a tough series. Um, the Oilers, of course, lost 4-1 to to the Winnipeg Jets in the opening night game here. Grade-A chances were 9 for the Oilers, 7 for the Jets. So the Oilers had a, you know, the slightly better run of play. And they, essentially the game came down to, to bounces, Bruce. If I'm completely honest. I don't think it was. It could have gone to either team. Either team could have easily won. And the Jets just got one or two more bounces, which and one really egregious one which the broadcast team didn't mention, but you are going to mention later in the podcast. Yes, I am. This is our two good things, two bad things and two numbers podcast. And because the Oilers lost, we'll go with two bad things each. But Bruce, let's kick this off with a good thing. What is your good thing? My good thing is going to be the Oilers uh, play in the second period and especially in the first part of the second period when they took the bull by the horns and they really... Uh, took charge of, of play, dominating possession in the Winnipeg end, uh, out shooting them 16 to 8 that period, uh, getting six grade A chances to two by our count and six to three by uh, uh, Sportsnet's count. Uh, but certainly, this was a period where Edmonton tested Connor Hellebuck time and again, finally got a well deserved goal to, to get a well deserved, I thought at that point, one nothing lead. And unfortunately, they uh, uh, they had one bad sequence, and uh, uh, the lead went away. But uh, so at the end of the second period, it was only one to one. But in terms of flow of play and, and general quality of play, uh, I thought uh, Oilers did a lot of things in that period that they need to do if they're uh, uh, if they're going to want to win in the playoffs. Yeah, it was just marred by the one. <laughs> terrible goal where we're going to get to it but um mm -hmm. that really the owners were really unlucky to come out of that period um down a goal in that period or tied for that period bruce they outplayed the jets yeah. they outplayed yep. them by a considerable margin they were buzzing mm -hmm. they, had, they had a couple five alarm scoring chances you know where hellebuck made great or lucky saves and um, they couldn't score, but it was a it was a very strong period for the Oilers. I think it shows um, with with this group of forwards and these line combinations that this can work. This this group of players it might change it up. I don't know. I don't have a strong feeling about it. Often I do, but I do not. It 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 did work that period. All of the lines were working well together. I thought, and um, well, I I think did all four of them generate chances that period. Um, R&H with a grade-A shot, James Neal with a grade-A shot, McLeod with a grade-A shot, absolutely brilliant grade-A Like, he was, when Neal and Cassium set him up, and he just was so yeah. close to scoring. Pugliarvi with, with a three, so um, maybe Kara's line didn't get one that period, but they got one in the first period. Yeah, it was a good thing, Bruce, but not good enough, not good enough tonight. I'm just going to tweet out really quickly... Any, yeah, go for it. What did you think? Of, let's, this isn't a good thing from either of us, Bruce, but what did you think of Archibald's hit in the first period on, on Dylan DeMello? Oh, man. 
that's about as hard of an open ice hit that I've seen all year. Absolutely crushed uh, Dylan DeMello. Um, looked to me like a clean hit, like he hit him with the shoulder, shoulder right in the in the body. He was coming in steaming fast, but uh, he was gliding. He wasn't like charging into the hit. I mean, he must have taken some strides at one point, and there was no replay that showed where he came from. But, oh, man, that contact. What a dart. And uh, DeMello went down winded, as he would. And to his credit, he got up and uh, got back to the bench and got back in, that, got back in the game. Uh, but uh, yeah. the hit itself was uh, was textbook. Just uh, just uh, just hammered a man. That guy hits like a ton of bricks for what is he? One hundred and eighty five pounds. Yeah, I wish more more of the Oilers had brought that same level in, of intensity throughout the game that Archibald did. I think it was one of the hardest clean hits I've seen in watching fifty of the years season. of hockey. Yeah. Like seriously, yeah. it just it was such a hard hit. You just don't mm-hmm. see players take a hit like that. They usually dodge it because, um, you know, they, they, you could see him coming. But he didn't get out of the way. I was secretly, like, I didn't don't want to see a player get injured, of course, but I was secretly hoping he wouldn't come back to the game because he's such a key player for the Jets. I guess my secret's out about that. I wasn't, but, I wasn't um, hoping that, but I, I don't mind softening other guy, the other team up with legal play. You know, I mean, you're going to come out of it with bumps and bruises, and you better be laying on some of those same to the to the other team. And Arch certainly delivered a bruise of some description on that one. Whoa! Indeed, Bruce. Uh, my good thing was the second period goal that the Oilers scored. They got the one nothing lead. If only they could have just found a way to hold that a little longer than they did. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. it was a very it was a fantastic play by that line. You know, the, so the virtuous cycle starts with uh, Dominic Cahoon uh, on the forecheck, kind of popping the puck off the yep. stick of the away from the Jets defender. McDavid picks it up, puts it back to Darnell Nurse, puts it over to Tyson Berry, who who does a very nice job of getting that puck on net. And uh, th- there's a Cahoon is screening the goalie. He's he's not only yep. popped the puck, he's done what he should do. He's gone to the net. And uh, the rebound goes to Yesapuliarvi, and he puts it in for for just a great goal. And a great moment for the Oilers. I just think, I was thinking, okay, they're on their way. Here we go. And then mm-hmm. bad things started to happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, Cahoon, he made two terrific plays there, and, and both of them of just type of, you know, winning battles. Won a battle to, to get the possession for the Oilers, and then he won a pose- uh, another battle to to create some of the congestion and and uh, uh, chaos in the slot that uh, uh, the puck bounced. I'm not sure if the it was a re- rebound from the. I think it was a rebound from the pile as opposed to from the goalie yeah, that bounced to Pulyarvi. But Hellebuck wasn't quite sure where the heck it was, and part of that was due to that chaos caused by. Uh, so Hellebuck wasn't in good position. And Yessa managed to fire a shot that found a hole, I think, under his arm. The only hole they found in the guy the whole damn game. <laughs> yeah. We I was some, worried he'd be good. We have some comments here. Dwayne McCauley says, I had a funny feeling they would lose tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Larry Hool says, my, girlf- my girlfriend says, all mics are tight and Bruce's mic is tight. 
I don't know what that means, Bruce. Maybe that's lingo. I hope type means good. I'm right on top of it now. I'm going to stay, <laughs> I'm going to stay a little further back. I don't want to be too loud. Are you there? Do you see the comments now, Bruce? I do. I've tweeted it out. I do. Okay, good. We're, we're going here. Bruce, uh, let's move on to your first bad thing. What is it? Well, it has to be that tying goal right after the one nothing. Oilers took the lead, and two and a half minutes was all they could hold on to that lead. And it occurred on a series of bad plays, really, where you and I tagged all six players on the ice with some degree of culpability or another. And actually, one of those guys got off the ice uh, on the line change because the three forwards, you could have thrown a blanket over the three guys right in front of the Oilers' bench. It was a long change, so they're a long way from, you know, from their defensemen. And James Neal had the puck over on the boards. He lost possession of it. And Ryan McLeod floated over there. And then Zach Cassian floated over there and tried to throw a hit. Well, by then you got three Oilers forwards that are behind the puck because, you know, by the time Cassian hit the guy, the puck was gone. And it was essentially a a, um, a three-on-two through the neutral zone. And one of the Oilers caught up and and sort of... um, took care of the third guy. So it was more a two-on-two. And it was just a drop pass by Pullman uh, to whoever it was got the assist, Wheeler. And then Pullman just charged right between the defensemen. And it was like Kulikov and Larson had their signals crossed and neither one of them either got in the lane of the shooter, Wheeler, or uh, tried to do anything to prevent Pullman from going right to the net front. And then... Wheeler's shot was not all that great. It hit Mike Smith right in the crest, but Smith leaked out a horrible rebound right onto the stick of uh, Pullman, and then he tried to swipe it aside with his paddle and missed the puck, and uh, Pullman put it right through his leg. So it was one mistake by Mike Smith, but that's one more mistake than Connor Hellebuck made in what we'll call a one-goal game. And so it was It was sloppy on another level. It, just, it almost seemed like a freebie, David. For all the work that the Oilers did to get a goal, I was like, here, have it back. And oh, yeah. that was that. Never got another one. I don't know what Cassie and McLeod were doing there. I mean, Neil's going to, you're going to lose battles, right? That happens. But mm-hmm. Cassie and McLeod going over there, McLeod missing it and Cassie and missing it. Like, someone mm-hmm. help out your defense. And and then the two yep. defensemen, you know, Kevin Bieksa mentioned it. You know, someone had to step up and stop mm-hmm. the shot. And someone had to cover the guy to the net. And they, two veteran defensemen. And they did neither. And then Smith with a big rebound, like yeah. juicy rebound. Like it was just, it was a horror show. Yeah. It was a terrible mental mistakes, it felt like, by everyone except for Neil and maybe yeah. Smith. But even him, like if he's on his game, he's not going to let a bad rebound like that. I don't think so. Ment- mental mistakes, a, mis- a battle lost by Neil, but everyone else made mental errors on that play. Yeah. And it's yeah. just brutal. It's brutal. And I, you know, McLeod. Uh, missed a couple shifts after that. I think he lost. I wouldn't be surprised to I see Gaetan Haas in the game. Uh, I don't think McLeod was particularly weak, but I wouldn't be surprised at that. He had a great chance to score that he was robbed by Hellebuck, but if he'd have put, if he'd have picked a corner, it wouldn't have been robbed. But uh, it was a good save by Hellebuck off McLeod. But uh, he actually got off the ice, so he didn't get a minus on that goal, but he did get a minus on the game-winning goal where... Uh, Honestly, I don't know which guy was playing center and which guy was playing wing, but neither one of them was uh, defending the guy who tipped the puck home in front of the net. That's what I do know. So. Uh, yeah. 
All right. Uh, <laughs> just not a very, you know, Bruce, my bad thing is it's kind of, it's kind of just from watching the other hockey games in the NHL with fans in the stands, this just, just had a different feel than the other, than the playoff games with fans that were, when fans were there, honestly, yeah. it felt like not the same excitement, not the same intensity, not the same amount of fun, just kind of on a certain level. It felt flat. I don't want to say it sucked because it didn't suck. It was a good game in a lot of ways, and I'd be excited if the Oilers won. But it was flat. There was it was it felt flat in the building, and it's going to be flat until hopefully in mid June the Oilers can get a few thousand fans in there. That's what I have fingers crossed. If the if you know if the ICU and hospital members can come down, maybe fingers crossed. It's just going to be flat, I think, compared to what we're seeing on the American TV in those games that are just just have that kinetic burst of energy from the crowd and I thought that a number of Oilers players seemed flat like it just I was expecting so much more from maybe I expect too much but McDavid was only in on two grade A chances this game and I was expecting more from Nurse and from Barry and uh, Larson and Kulikov and Chason all the really good players I think Smith had a pretty good game I don't you know that was a bad rebound but and and then Cassian was just he had a rough game. He was he was dumping the puck in late, not shooting it when he should have shot it, seemed out of sync. He was a big major culprit on that goal against. But there's just so my bad thing is flatness, Bruce. Flat, flat, flat. Okay. And I hope it doesn't I hope we can get burst out of this feeling the next game. What's your second bad thing? Yeah. I hate to uh single out Mr. Referee in a game where the, the refs did the, their level best to not be involved in this game. They called only a single penalty all night long when Carlo Yamamoto got cut by a high stick that turned out to be a two-minute penalty that the Oilers really couldn't convert, do a whole lot with on the power play. But um, uh, the ref made an egregious mistake uh, with under two minutes to play, that resulted, I have to say, resulted directly in Winnipeg's empty net goal that sealed the game at 3-1. to one. And this was just after the Oilers pulled Mike Smith. Tyson Barry dumped the puck in off the end boards. Slow, it bounced off the boards, and it slid along the ice towards the ref, uh, right where he was in the corner. And he didn't look. He just was looking everywhere but at the puck, which is kind of important there, Mr. Stripes. And it hit him on the skate, and instead of going to an oiler and starting a potential cycle, you know, with a minute 45 to say, to go, I'm not saying they would have scored. I'm just saying they could have scored. And instead, puck hits ref skate, and it's not like they fired it and it bounced off of him. I mean, that happens. This was a slow-motion shoot-in. All of the, the uh, Sportsnet team missed it. They never did. I don't think they ever did notice it. But if you recorded this game, go back and watch that play. And I have to say, David, I, I, I was, I was very calm throughout this game, but I erupted at that moment. <laughs> and I was swearing at the ref before Winnipeg even made the first pass. I'm going get out of the way, with a couple extra words in there. And as soon as the puck went in the net, I just clicked back on my video and I watched it again. Yeah, I saw exactly what I saw. I thought I saw. Ref caused a turnover with the net empty, and it resulted in the empty net goal. And 
that was that. I mean, once, you know, if minute 45 to go, well, they might as well have, you know, they might as well just blown the siren right there. It was over. So just just uh, poor execution by uh, by Mr. Referee. And again, I'll say I don't think the refs had a bad game, but they sure made a bad play there. And that's often what our bad things are. It's just one mistake in, in uh, a night of otherwise, you know, sort of at least normal performance. But that was a doozy of a mistake. I'm actually kind of stunned that the Oilers and the coaches weren't all over him, although it was right along the boards where the bench was, so they probably didn't get a real good look on it. But it's obvious on TV. I don't know how the broadcast... Uh, Hannah Ryan Singh said, took a funny bounce. Yeah, you think? Hit the ref in the skate and went right to the Winnipeg guy. Went right in, Three Oilers were trapped in that corner. Like That was that was where they were all flooding to win the bat, the puck battle, and the ref won it for the Jets. Is essentially how it worked out. So, so if I sound it. like a whiner, so be it. I'm just telling you what I saw, and what I saw was plain as day. The ref got in the way of the travel of the puck, and it had a huge effect on what happened next. The ref, Singh saw it, so I'm surprised he didn't, like... He said it was a funny bounce. I don't think he saw exactly what happened. Yeah, but you think, I think he, he thought he it took a funky bounce off the board. want to see again, but maybe, like, they're, I don't know, they don't, maybe don't replay. have a lot of time. We can watch the replays as much as we want, and we do. Like, you know, mm-hmm. for for me, the game finishes 10 or 15 minutes after it's finished for everyone else, because I'm just watching right. the replays for the game and catching up. Of course. Up. But, uh... But I don't need to see four replays of Kyle Connor shooting the puck in the empty net from center ice. Show me how Winnipeg got the puck. I mean, you show me that, and you're going to show me, a, you know, a, to me, a contentious play. And, you know, bad, just a crappy break, you know, is, is what it amounts to. I mean, pucks do hit refs all the time. Not usually at such a slow speed at that and such a crucial situation, which is why I'm a little sour about it. But whatever. It's a bad thing. Uh CJLB49 says, thank you, Bruce. They wouldn't show the replay and didn't mention it, but the ref assisted that goal. So maybe yep. a, cons- a conspiracy, Bruce, to hide the refs. It's not a conspiracy. <laughs> they, just, they, they, they blew it, too. The Sportsnet is part of my bad thing for not cashing it because they're supposed to be covering what's going on out there, right. and they missed it. I like the conspiracy theory. Uh, no, I don't so, like Some people are calling, theories. wishing Jack Michaels had called it, think, thought it would be more... Exciting Jack Michaels is do, has did do an outstanding job this year. Um, we have a comment from um, where is that one? Let's let me find it. Here we go. Um, oh, can't find it now. So much. There's been a lot of comments about Cassie not playing very well. I can say that. There's and and Tippett's getting a lot of heat here too. So uh, I don't. I'm going to mention one here. Uh, Steve Dillon, good fella. Yeah. Guys, help me out. How do we participate in the live chat? Well, good fellow, you are participating. How do you think Cassian did? Also, I felt the Dynamite line did their thing and it needs to pay off sooner as opposed to later. And I agree. I thought, actually, uh, Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins, I thought they were excellent in this game. Yeah. Uh, Nugent smartened the puck and Yamamoto, man, he doesn't shy off from the battle, does he, at any point. And he easily could have got a deflection on the uh, uh, in, in the third period that could have got a bounce. Uh, a different bounce, but uh, you're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, and uh, I thought Drysaddle was strong in the middle. Frankly, it was, um, um, well, I guess it just it just wasn't their night. But it was uh, uh, the line that line had. I thought a pretty decent game. I'd like to see them go back to it. I hope they do. I, I mean, I was surprised actually that we didn't see the what I call the 81% solution line, Bruce. 
Yamamoto, McDavid, mm -hmm. and Drysaddle a little bit more because they, they went to McDavid, Pugliarvi, and Drysaddle. It, it's the Yamamoto combination actually that had the eighty-one percent goals for mm -hmm. percentage, thirteen goals for, and three goals against. So you think you might try that, but you know, I, I, I don't. Pugliarvi had a strong game, Pugliarvi, though, David. Pugliarvi did, and so I'm not. I, I don't really have four shots, four hits, the goal, the goal. I'm not shy about criticizing the coach usually, and but I'm, no, no. I don't have a lot to say about that tonight. Here's from Adam. Long story short, both teams were kind of uncomfortable looking tonight, but McDavid seemed to be playing possum too much. Friday, we drink, we win. There you go. Bruce, my uh, second bad thing is puck luck. It's, it's puck luck because that's, I think, what decided in the end, you know, the, the playoff, the goldie skate, the tip shot. When the tip shot ha happened that the, 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 the Jets went ahead on, I was so mad at Ethan Bear in that moment. I was just, I don't have hair. I was doing whatever I do, face palming and gnashing my teeth and thinking, again, again? L last year in the playoffs, the Oilers lost almost every single game on a tip shot, and Bear was the one not covering the stick on most of them. Some of them. Some of them. That's probably an Oilers. Well, there was about nine of them. It wasn't all one <laughs> same guy's fault. Chicago scored Russell, nine goals on deflections Russell. on that series. Almost all of them out of, out of the air where the guy miraculously got a stick on a puck that was three feet off the ice and put it right in off a post or a corner, which is exactly what we saw again tonight. This, was a, this, this one was going on net, at least. Stanley shot was going to go mm -hmm. on net. Uh, so mm -hmm. I was, I had that, you know, I, I was on Oilers now today, and I said, you know, if if they get some tip shots and score, like a, the Oilers, the whole the whole oil country is going to have a massive nervous breakdown, and I think that's actually probably what happened, and I was part of it. Upon reflection, though, Bruce, listen, the Oilers had five tip shots this game. Mm -hmm. Five the Jets had just two. The yeah. all any of the five Oilers tip shots could have just as easily gone in. Now, that was a hell of a hard shot. So maybe, let's say, I'll go through the five Oilers tip shots. But it's just, that's luck. That's bad luck. Tip shots to, will do to what a they degree do. It is, you yeah. don't know where they're going. The guy who's tipping them doesn't usually, he's just trying to tip it. He doesn't know where it's going, usually. And that tip shot happened to go in, and the Oilers' five tip shots did not go in the Jets' two, and they got one off the, the referee's skate. So in the first period, Kara gets a tip shot, and it, uh, Archibald. That was this was right after Archibald's, you know, otherworldly hit. You know, the hammer of Thor descends on <laughs> Dylan DeMello. Archibald puts it on net, and Kara gets a tip shot. That one wasn't a particularly hard shot itself, so the tip wasn't as dangerous. In the second period, though, Neil James Neil Connor McDavid puts it on net with some speed, and James Neil gets a tip shot. It is a brilliant tip shot. It's a five alarm save, and he just it just hits him. That was every bit as dangerous as the, the goal that went in. And it didn't because the hockey guards were not on the other side. A, a little bit later, Darnell Nurse puts it hard on net. And Yesipuli Arby from the outside gets a, it's through a screen, gets a tip shot, mm -hmm. which is a very dangerous shot. Not Maybe yeah. not at the same quality as the one that went in for the Jets and, and his Neal's tip shot, but a very dangerous shot. A moment later... Um, can't remember. Maybe it was Cuckoo who put it on net, but it, the puck's bouncing around, and Nugent Hopkins slashes it out of the air. A, just a really dangerous play. Like, it could easily go in, and it yeah. didn't. And it didn't. I don't know how Hellebuck stopped that one. He actually, I think he actually reacted and got, got a piece of it. But and then, Well, he did get it. Definitely got a piece of it. I, I... Then early in the third period, 
Kyler Yamamoto, Adam Larson puts it on net and it hits the massive collision and in front of the net with Yamamoto and a jet goalie. It, it squeezes between them off Yamamoto and almost finds its way in the net. You know, if that had gone in the net, Bruce, it's 2-1 Oilers. And this is, we're, we're I, I think the Oilers win the game then, whoever got that second goal. So there, there will be a lot of, there'll be some amount of criticism and angst and everything like that and upset. But listen, this game, this game was a nine to seven on grade eight chances. It, and it came down to bounces. It, the scoring chances would have been closer if, if the Jets had hit the net on a few of their really dangerous, thank goodness that didn't happen. I mean, Shifley blew an absolutely incredible uh, shot late in the first period where he just, he had the wide open net and he just missed it. So anyway, a very close game. Um, the five alarm chances were pretty much equal. The grade eight chances mm-hmm. um, were, were close. And, but Winnipeg got the, the lucky bounce and the orders did not. From Dominic Toninato, who played five games all year, three in the American Hockey League, two in the National Hockey League, and he was only put in because Winnipeg had two guys hurt. And wouldn't you know the the, the 15th forward that they come bring in to put in the lineup scores the game-winning goal in a 2-1 game. It's funny how it works, eh? and it's, it's hardly the first time that's happened, but it sure is, sure is frustrating when... Uh, when you're on the uh, victim end of the uh, of the stick, uh, good deflection though. I'll give him credit. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Benjamin Perfect. Sawa asks anything nice to say about Nug, <laughs> uh, Nugget. Yeah. Uh, other than the baseball swing attempt, I think. Uh, well, we were raving about that. The dynamite line was probably the Oilers' best line in the second period when they played so well. And and Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto, they they brought their A games. Uh, I didn't think all the orders. I thought Drysaddle actually. He had a, one bad sequence in the first where he was, you know, uh, was part of the the crew that led to a nasty scoring chance against. But I thought he played well, uh, very well as well, and almost he got the best chance late in the game to tie it up when he. What a that play that was! Net. Yeah, to to lift the guy's stick and sweep the puck and and to whirl and fire it on the corner, outstanding play. But uh, unfortunately, he couldn't find a hole in. Hellebuk, because there weren't any holes to find in Hellebuk tonight. Doug Cook says, I'm not worried. Oilers played good. It's best of seven. We got this. And, and I, mm-hmm. I I, agree with you, Doug. I think the Oilers are still going to win this series. I think it's going to be a tough series. I, I picked the Oilers in six. Did you have a prediction, Bruce, before? No, I did not. I weaseled out you of that always, altogether. Yeah, you're very careful about those kinds of things. So I won't <laughs> not a big it. fan of prediction. Well, I'll tell you what, David. I'll, I'll harken back to one prediction I made in a post I wrote about a month ago. Uh-huh. Tried to figure out who would be the four players that the Oilers would, the moves that the Oilers would make after the trade deadline. And I basically said, I don't think we'll be seeing James Neal again this season. And I think he played the next game, and he's played practically every game since, and there he is in game <laughs> one of the playoffs. <laughs> And then, of course, the NHL went and if there is a four-move rule, then the NHL is going to need to explain to me how Boston was able to sit 16 regulars for the last game of the regular season. So that whole four-move thing turned out to be a bit of a mirage. But my prediction about James Neal was hopelessly 100%, 180 degrees wrong. So How about this for a prediction, Bruce? Do you think Pippen will change <laughs> up the lines next game? Like the top two lines. Not, I wouldn't be surprised no. to see some shuffling on the bottom lines, but... Uh, I'm not sure that he will. I mean, I think 
the lines clicked okay. I, I, what, what, I, what I'm hesitant to say, but will now, is I don't think we saw the best of Connor McDavid tonight. Yeah. I thought uh, I thought his mates were. I thought Paul Yarby was strong. I thought Cahoon had some good moments. McDavid had some okay moments, but uh, I didn't see much game breaking from the game breaker. And you know, I mean, two shots on net, two scoring chances uh, that he was involved in all night, and. Uh, you know, they held him in check. I mean, Winnipeg was all over him for sure, but, uh, he, you know, he's either going to have to figure out how to fight through that or else we're in serious trouble here. Yeah, he was on my list of flat performances from mm-hmm. the team, yeah. definitely. Um, I think he was flat. He wasn't skate Like, he wasn't at his top he speed. No, like he I, We'll see him better. He'll be way better on Friday, I'm sure of it. And be. all I'm saying is that he can be way better because this was a couple of notches below top McDavid. I, did, I didn't think he was, you know, at, when he's at his best, he moves at a speed that the other guys can't handle. And I, I, I didn't see any of that, like sort of right on top of all of the all of the of the uh, fast twitch fibers are firing in sync. Like when he's on, when he's on, he's just otherworldly. And he was not that tonight. I thought the Jets did a great job of having three-man back, four-man back all the time. Mm-hmm. They were played a very yeah. defensive trapping game, Bruce. Very disciplined defensive game. And um, that's part of what went on with McDavid tonight. I also, I also, the thought crossed my mind, like, when was the last time the Oilers had a really big, big game that they needed to win in the standings? It's been weeks. And, they, you know, they've been playing the Vancouver Canucks. They played the Habs B team. I don't, you know, I just think that that we might have been seeing a team that wasn't quite, and you know, they've been off three or four days that wasn't quite firing on all cylinders yet for the playoffs. But I think we'll, I do think we will see a different orders team, like as many of the of the listeners are suggesting, we'll see a, a different McDavid and a different orders team. I, I think McDavid's not going to be happy at all with that performance, um, nor should he be. What's your number, Bruce? Well, I'm going to go with um, the shot attempts in this game, which were 65 for Edmonton and only 37 for Winnipeg. Uh, a very, uh, very one-sided, 33 to 22 in shots, uh, but Winnipeg blocked 19 to 8, to eight for Edmonton, and uh, Edmonton also missed the net 13. I mean, you talk about Winnipeg missing the net on some good chances. Well, Edmonton missed the net 13 times, uh, so they they were shooting away. Uh, I'm not sure they got too many you know we had it nine to seven on sort of inside shots that we call grade a chances um but again in edmonton's favor and i think that's a game you could play that game 10 times and edmonton would win it six times out of 10 yeah certainly you know not every time or you know they didn't dominate the game but they were the uh they were the team in possession more often and the second period alone really should have uh, uh, set them up with a lead that they, uh, which they actually did have, but couldn't hold for any length of time. But uh, uh, at least on the on the uh, uh, shot clock side of things, they they were they were generating and they were suppressing. I mean, Winnipeg only had 37 shot attempts in the entire game. That's a pretty low number. So, alrighty, yeah. Um... The Oilers had more shots at net, more shots, more grade A shots, probably more five alarm chances. But Bruce, I just there, I'm not sh- sure that Winnipeg didn't have more intensity and more of a game plan. And um, 
there's a there's a number of stats that kind of hint at intensity, so I'm going to run through them as, as my number. Yep. The Winnipeg Jets had more hits than the Oilers, 68 to 58. To 50. 50, excuse me, 68 yeah. to 50. They had more uh, block shots, uh, 19 to 8. Mm-hmm. And they won more face-offs, uh, 29 wins for the Jets, 19 losses. So 60% of the face-offs. So those stats um, could be indicative of of defensive effort. And uh, I guess the least we could say is Winnipeg's defensive effort was was outstanding. Um, they still did allow nine grade-A scoring chances against, which is below the orders. The orders averaged about uh, 12 this year. So they kept mm-hmm. the Oilers under their, their season average. Against Winnipeg, in the, seven, in the nine games, they outchanced Winnipeg 12-9. to nine. So um, this was a lower event game. That's the game the Jets had to play, to, I think. Mm-hmm. They gotta, they've got to keep the game under wraps. They can't let it open up. They can't let McDavid wheel and deal and have all kinds of time and space. And they succeeded in doing that. And they did it by playing a very uh, intense shot blocking, hitting, face-off winning defensive game. Credit to the Winnipeg Jets. That was a defensive, strong defensive game and Hellebuck was strong in that and and he as we've said, he got the bounces. Yeah, well, he uh he made the saves and uh, you know, he was the first star of this game with a bullet, Connor Hellebuck and so you know, that's what happens when one team gets outshot and wins anyways. It's usually because their goalie played well, and he did, but he's part of the team, and uh, he's part of the problem Edmonton Oilers are going to have to solve uh, in the coming days and uh, weeks, two weeks, that this series might go. They, uh, they're they going to have to uh, work their way through the birthday boy, 28 years old, and uh, on top of his game by what we saw tonight. Nowhere near the guy we saw most of the year, eh? Correct. Stephen says, when Josh Archibald is throwing the biggest hits on your team, you have issues. Where is Cassian? Nurse, mm-hmm. Larson, Kara. Yeah, I think that's a, these are fair questions. I just, where were the Oilers' big hitters? I mean, Cassian hit the boards hard really once. I mean, he's coming back. To be fair to Cassian, he's coming back. He's been off for a month or whatever it is. and mm-hmm. um, So I'm... I, You'd expect a certain amount of rust in his game. Hopefully, it won't be their next game. But yeah, where was that nastiness from Larson that we've been seeing, and and from Nurse either? I didn't think you know. I want to see the Darnell Nurse that was the Norris of the North, and I don't think we saw that player. I want to yeah, see the no, Jared Guerra that that uh, you know throws a ton of hits, and I don't think I saw that tonight either. So Nurse Nurse was to me a little bit off. He was he was uh, slightly jittery with the puck, and yeah. You know, not not making real quick, good plays with the puck, and and uh, um, he just was a little bit back on his heels. And I guess that's what you're saying about a, a few of these guys. And yet, you know, when Nurse was on the ice, which was a ridiculous amount, he played uh, uh, 28, 18 in this game, 27 and a half minutes at even strength, and the Oilers outshot the Jets 15, nine during that time. Uh, his pairing didn't give up any goals, and uh, they were on the ice. In fact, he got an assist on the goal four. So, I mean, pointing a finger at him is probably uh, not entirely fair. But I think he's got another level that he can take his game to. And the, the order's going to need their big guys to play their top-level game. It's as simple as that. 
Well, he he did have that bad turnover, Bruce, in the first. Where that mm-hmm. yeah, and, and could have could have been in the net for sure. And then this wasn't his fault, but Barry fanned on that shot late in the first, and that's when Shifley they got the Jets had that three on one, <sighs> yeah. and they could have scored. I don't, and I think Nurse was out there. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he allowed. Well, it was a miss. There there was no uh, shot on net. And then of course there was Nurse wasn't out there when Barry made his first turnover leading into a two, or when Barry made his first turnover leading into a two on one early in the game, eight minutes right. into the game, and he did what he does too often, misreading the play in the neutral zone and allowing a two-on-one. Pinched in the wrong place. Jeez, we can't have, like, the Jets weren't making those mistakes, Bruce, and the Oilers did a little bit. They were jittery, Mm -hmm. I thought, early in the game, and they were making those kinds of mistakes um, in the first period. They cut them out for the rest of the game, though. The Oilers were pretty solid themselves. They had a pretty strong defensive game, too. So, Uh, Alrighty, any more comments that you see, Bruce? Diego Barrow says Cassian is a shade of himself. He should be benched and learn a lesson. Well, he spent a lot of time in the press box uh, in this game. Uh, Dave M says, did Nurse even get one point shot through to the net? And I think the official shots for Nurse was one on net, four that were blocked. So, yes, he got one through. And, uh, yeah. Mr. Fantastic says, our most dangerous defenseman was Larson. Can't win a series if Barry and Nurse don't put points on the board. Barry wasn't they actually the did. scoring points. They, got, they both got an assist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Larson was the one hammering shots from the point. And in that sense, uh, Larson had three shots on net to lead the team and five shot attempts to, uh, to co-lead the team. So he was uh, at least trying to get uh, uh, shots in there, but... Uh, uh, you know, they've got, uh, especially if the Jets are going to hang deep in their defensive zone and bottle up the slot, they're going to need to get shots through from the outside. Yeah. I, I it's, I don't have a lot more to say. It's, I don't like, like a game like this, that it could have easily gone either way. You, you know, you can overanalyze, like if, if, if they won, we'd be elated and, and thinking everything was tickety boo, but that's, it's, it's uh, this is one of those ones where you shouldn't get too high if you win or too low if you lose. I think because it could have gone either way, and we'll see what happens Friday night. The orders obviously could desperately use a win. I find in series the team that usually maybe I'm incorrect, but games two and three are the there's all the, those are the backbreakers. Of course, they're all all the games are important. But well, in 2017, the orders lost game one against the Sharks and they won the series, and then they won game one and two against Anaheim. And they lost the series. So, I mean, it's it's obviously you want to get up the leg up on the other guys. But it's not absolutely essential. You know, they've lost one. They have now they have to win four out of the next six. It's, it's, a, it's a taller order than having to win four out of seven, obviously. But uh, um, it's, uh, it's hard, you know. I mean, they've beaten Winnipeg six out of the last seven. That's horrible the distribution six regular season wins which are worthless now and one playoff loss but so it is I got it they got it you know if you're going to get through in the playoffs you got to earn it you got to deserve it and you got to you know you got to find a way and right the thing they found tonight is that Winnipeg is going to present a stiff stern challenge for them and they're going to have to answer that challenge so we'll see on Friday night what uh, what the response is I didn't hear this comment, but JT is telling us that Neil said it correct. Jitters. 
regroup for the next mm-hmm. game. So it sounds like James Neal said they had some jitters, and that's certainly what I saw, Bruce, as well, is in the first period was some some rather alarming mistakes and that looked kind of jittery to me, but um, were also part of a pattern of bad, <laughs> of bad decisions. Anyway, I think... Um, I think more of the Oilers will bring their A game. That's my prediction for next game is that more that this list, long list of players who are kind of flat, they won't be flat next game. I don't think I don't think any of them would be my bet. So we'll see what happens. Final thoughts? Yep. The battle needs to be joined because the, uh, the other team shows no signs of, uh, of being ready to get blown out like uh, some were projecting. Uh, I, I have to say, without making a prediction on this series, I would never, ever have said the Oilers are going to blow them out. These are going to be tough games. But uh, tonight we found out how tough they are, and we know with hockey that even the better team doesn't always win. So, you know, but uh, they've uh, they've got to answer the bell and, and uh, <clears throat> bring a stronger performance and uh, then take it to Winnipeg. I mean, they've lost home ice advantage for at least the next two games for now. I mean, if they win Friday, the Jets will go home with with home ice advantage. So it's a, it's a difficult situation out of the gate. This from CJLB49. I was worried in, in the first shift when Pugliarvi slipped right off the bat. I could tell they were going to be jittery. Mm-hmm. I had the same thought. I'm, I'm sure yeah. everybody did watching. It's like, oh, that's a bad omen. And this from uh, Corey Mikanuk. I think the Oilers had a better team in 2017. They were a lot grittier then. Uh, I disagree with that, Bruce. I think this Oilers team is better than the 2017 team. And we, when McDavid and when all of these players bring their A game, which they will do in this series, we will we will realize that. Well, they did have 50 hits tonight, which I think might be a season high for the team, even as a... I'm not sure if the the players were on adrenaline, or maybe the uh, minor scorer who counts hits maybe was having a bit of a, of a yeah. you know had a, uh, a Red Bull or two during, <laughs> during the Red game Bull because they said there was 50 hits in the first period. And I thought, yeah, it was physical. I don't know about 50 though between the two at that time, but uh, that's by far the highest hit count of the season, and and the orders dished out some. So it's you know, uh, I yeah. It's way too soon to be throwing up our hands and saying this isn't good enough, but uh, it's not too soon to be saying it needs to be better. Yeah, there was a point in the first period, Bruce, where they said there's been 10 hits, and I was thought, I thought, I, and I, I was thinking, I think I've counted one or two. It was three minutes into there, two minutes yeah. into the first period. No, there was a few. Okay, for sure. just, there was more yeah, than two, but were... I don't know about 10. Yeah, okay. I may have to, I may have to audit a shift or two from the official play-by-play uh, of this game where the hits were and see what they were doing because uh, it, it is an extraordinarily high figure to have the two teams so far over 100 hits in a single hockey game. Didn't feel that way watching the game, honestly. Like it didn't mm-hmm. like it didn't seem like it seemed like there was hitting. It was a play, you know, there was enough hitting, but it didn't seem like it. Well, I remember one play earlier where two guys sandwiched Drysidle and knocked his helmet off. Yeah. Uh, one guy hit him, and the second guy came in and sort of took a free shot at the end and knocked his helmet off. And then Kara got cranked in the far corner uh, on, a, on a clean hit. And then there was a third one, uh, Euler, that got smoked. Um, and then Kulikov, somebody took a run at Kulikov, and that's the wrong guy to run at because Kulikov saw him coming, and he just uh, 
I did the reverse hit thing and really drilled the guy. That was good. And that was when I thought, okay, we're getting into it now. And, you know, there was there was a fair bit of physicality. And so, you know, it was part of the game story. And uh, I'm not sure in the end it was sort of the story, but it was, uh, it was certainly part of the uh, texture of this game was there was... Uh, some physicality and there was a hell of a good scrum right at the end of the first period but uh never really boiled over again after that ace 96 says i hope browse is that what he calls tippet browse goes back to shore and maybe hoss uh mm-hmm. flipper dude well, 22 says Cass he's gonna have to think about it fans to get him energized and and you of know, course we've been hearing his third that line for a long time and it's a little bit I, I don't want to hear it anymore, honestly. Like it's you, people can say that, but it's not an excuse for Cassian at this point. He's got to fight, figure out a way to get involved in the game. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in this game. He was off for a month uh, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many games was it, Bruce? Do you recall ten, eleven? And yeah, uh, yeah. And so I, basically a month. You can't expect him to be, you know, sharp. But no. I, I think he will get in the game. I do think they need his size and. Um, he, zero shots, which is so way too common for Cash. Sure zero was. shots, oh, and uh, two hits and two giveaways. That's his statistical contribution to this game. And two hits in a game that had over a hundred hits. Sorry, Zach, that's not enough. You know, he played ten, played ten minutes, and uh, I thought, you uh, know, I mean, hitting is his forte. He needs to be bringing that because he wasn't, you know, yeah, he he wasn't bringing much in. Uh, I guess his forechecking kind of helped create a couple of chances and a cloud yeah. chance. I think that started with a with a play behind the net by Cassian. So let's give credit for that. It's not a shot by him, but he contributed to the shot. Yeah, he passed it out to McDavid on Neil's tip shot, and he won a battle there. Mm-hmm. Helped win a battle on uh, McLeod's great chance. So there was a couple moments where he okay. he was part of something going on. First, I also thought Slater Kukuk looked good. I thought he he. Mm-hmm. Um, Joined in the offensive play. He didn't make any mistakes. I think he, he had did. a clean sheet. He might be the only... Except, no, no, on the game winner, David, he got beat behind the net. Oh, yeah. By okay. the guy who fed the puck out to the point. That was a, that was a, a small but crucial... Yeah, fair enough. ...mistake that wound up being costly. Yeah. No, I don't even know if we marked it as a major mistake. It's kind of borderline in that regard. But it, it was involved. It was a mistake on the, on the big goal. I thought he played well. Uh, but that said, mm-hmm. if Chris Russell's healthy, Bruce... I think they're going to put Chris Russell in if he's ready to go. That would be my bet um, ahead of. Yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Indeed. Let's leave it there. Should we leave it there? Yeah. We're Any going to have five, as many as six more games of this series to talk about, and as many as 21 more games in future series to talk about. We'll, we'll put on, I'll put on my optimist hat here. And, uh, you know, this is how, this is how it starts. And, I mean, in 2006, Oilers lost the first game against Detroit, right? You know, it's not always sweetness and light. In uh, uh, 87, they lost, the, the great team lost the first game against LA Kings, right? The playoffs. Sometimes it takes a while to find your mojo. And 90 against the Jets. The last time they played the Jets, the Oilers lost the first game 7-5 to in a real sloppy affair. And fell behind in that series three to one before finding a way to pull it out. So, you know, you can't just say, "Oh, all is lost" because they lost one game. They lost one game, and they're going to have to bounce back and and recover from it and uh, win the next game. Indeed. Thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. 
All right. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks for all your comments on the on the live blog. This is uh, really adding a new sort of element to uh, uh, interaction with our audience, which is something I, for one, really appreciate having the you know the back and forth a little bit. So it's it's uh, it's uh, it's fun to have that aspect right now. And and yeah, thank you everyone for commenting. We 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 can't get to the all of them. There's tons of comments. We get to as many as we can. We're, and we're also just getting used to this. Uh, thinking our own thoughts, trying to be articulate and have something useful to say, and then reading the comments and responding to them as well. But uh, I really like it as well. It's cool. And uh, we're all on this Edmonton Oilers journey together in the playoffs. Here we go, Oilers. Here we go. Thanks again, Bruce. Thank you, David. Have a great night. You too. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.